Hey, Jason, you know our friend Pat McGibbon at AMT, right? Oh, of course. Yeah, Pat is going to be leading a roundtable session at the MFG meeting in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Yes, he is. Yeah, he's going to be talking about managing risk in your business. And I mean, there's a lot of risks. There's a lot of risks. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, you, you think about like uncollectible receivables, lost shipments, workplace injuries, and just simply act of nature. We're seeing this cybersecurity, cyber. I mean, all those things. It's daunting to think about. And they're going to have at the manufacturing meeting. They're going to have a roundtable discussion on the things that you should be thinking about and how to mitigate some of those risks that could potentially be in your business. It sounds great. And I know we know Pat is a great guy. He's a great speaker. He knows how to convey a message and hit it out of the park. So so how do we get access to this great roundtable discussion? Right. Well, it's go to the T-H-E-M-F-G-Meeting.com. That's T-H-E-M-F-G-Meeting.com. The conference is going to be April 1st through April 5th. There's going to be a lot of nighttime activities, golfing, Some networking, beach. I think the resort's going to be right on the beach in Fort Lauderdale in April. The weather's going to be gorgeous. A lot of industry leaders are going to be there. Go sign up today because early bird registration does not go on forever. Bam. Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills solve your problems, and grow your business. Today, I'm your host, Nick Goldner, and I'm joined by the co-hosts, Jason, Jay-Z Zenger, and Jim Carr. And hey. we're just letting him do it today, just so y'all know, we're, this no. is his treat, it's his birthday. No, it's So not. today, he's the host, but not tomorrow. Wait, not, not tomorrow, but... Is today your birthday? This is not the first time. No, it's not his birthday. Time. Oh, okay, I'm okay. just joking around. This well, is his birthday present. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, Nick, it's great to have you back. Because my birthday was in December, and you remembered it, Jim, but Jason forgot. That's right. Well, (laughs) all transparency, Facebook told me it was your birthday. So That's how I I always remember. Like, even my parents and my family, it's always Facebook that reminds me. So I figured I'll just text him. I'm not on Facebook anymore. Yeah. No, you're on LinkedIn now. (laughs) He he transitioned. Yeah. Nick, it's good to have you back in the the studio with us. It feels so good. We're, We're at MXD today here on Goose Island. This is really our true home. This is... Where I feel this most is where comfortable. It started. This is where well, it kind of started. It started at Zenger's, and, and then we moved over here. Yeah, and we got the boardroom this time, so it's extra fancy. I'll, I will tell you something. I would say about five years ago, just about five years ago, we were in this room with the leaders of, at that time, it was... UI Labs. A DMDII. DMDII, yep. Talking with the leaders of DMDII about doing... Yeah, we had doing... an episode about explaining what all those acronyms were all about. Yeah, no, but we were in this room talking with them about doing a promotion, oh, a yeah, sponsorship, right. yep. a campaign. It was a yep. pretty big deal. Yep. I mean, there was, a, there was a lot of people in this room. And we so, actually did a roundtable, if you remember that. You and I, I don't even remember what it was on, but we did it here at DMDII yeah. at the time. So anyway, it feels good to be to be back home. Just love the the vibe here, the pulse. There's Something's going on today, and I don't know what it is, but there, I almost grabbed the Diet Coke on the way in because there was all this food and muffins on the way in. But yeah, anyway. so we're going to be reintroducing this facility to the Metalworking Nation so that we can explain, I guess we always talk about making chips 2.0, but we're going to talk about the DMDII to MXD, which I guess is the 2.0 of this facility. We've got a special guest on today who we'll introduce shortly, who we've had on the show before. So that's going to be coming up soon. But before we go there, 
Nick, what's new going on in the world of AME and, and everything else that you do? Well, I can't host all the time because I travel all the time. So otherwise, I'm sure our audience would just beg for me to be I'm the, sure that the they would love to replace, replace Jim with you. <laughs> but I was actually in Detroit all week in the automotive capital of the world. Yeah, uh, what's going on there? Lots of machining. We're doing some fixtures for some companies that are doing some big automotive projects. So hydraulic fixtures for them. It was a good trip, mostly. I, I I got to do some relaxing. I went to this really cool restaurant where there was a... It's called Black Rock. They, they bring out this like 750-degree stone, and you cook your own steak on it. Interesting. Right the table. That, nice. that was probably the, the most fun part. I, would I heard say, that they're doing a lot of taking some of the industry and just land that has been depressed over the years and replacing it with like urban gardens. I don't know if you saw any of that, but that was one of the most intriguing things that I that I'd heard about. You know, Detroit. we didn't spend that much time in Detroit. It was more okay. like the suburban areas around it. But okay. um, quick question though. That, though. What is the pulse on automotive in Detroit? Because well, being that Detroit is the Well one of the, the things I just read is that Tesla is now a hundred billion dollar company and it's they're the first automotive company to achieve that status. Their stocks at like and they're not out of Detroit. No. Well, we're going to be talking about aerospace and automotive in cool. just a minute and Tesla when we get to the manufacturing awesome. news. Let's do it. My customers were busy. Yeah. I don't know all the details about the industry as a whole right now. Right. But, but everyone I see is always busy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, they're calling you in because they have a, they have a pain point, yeah, right? Exactly. They need you to come in and, Got and help them. times or yeah. something like that. Exactly. So, so I, I get it. What's a pulse in your guys' business this week? Well, you know, what's happening other than, you know, you're busy and... Well, what was keeping me up at night was nothing to do with work. It was the hotel room next to me had a bunch of hooligans who partied till like 2.30 oh in the morning. Then I had to drive five hours back to Chicago the next day and try not to fall asleep. So work went well. No, nothing business-wise was keeping me up. What about you guys? It's just all about delegating and elevating with me. I've got way too much on my plate. Jim's very controlling. I am, I am a little controlling. You, you won't let go I'm of the a, I am a little controlling. I like to do everything myself. I want it, I want it done my way or no way. Well, you're only and, going to grow your company a certain amount if you we do that. Know, or you're going to drive Jason, yourself into the ground. We know. You tell me this all the time. And I know. I, well, I'm, I, your, I, I'm your, like your, your you're my mentor. life coach. Yeah, you are. Absolutely. <laughs> you say that about I'm me your too. Mr. Miyagi and your Yoda. The last time yeah. you said you were my life coach, I I'll, asked you for a refund. And I'll only take the good qualities. <laughs> Can I only extract the good qualities? I don't need some of those other ones. Okay, so, that's fine. Anyway. But we, no, all, we I, all have some bad qualities, We buddy. We help each other, right? Yes. And we're helping the metalworking nation today by talking with our special guest about what they're bringing to this facility, all the good things, and, and creating an ecosystem for manufacturing. Can, can I interject one little thing no, before we get into not the manufacturing at all. news? So it's not relevant. I do read some of the, the ratings that we get for making chips, and there was recently a rating. We, we have almost exclusively people rating our podcast as a five-star, but we recently got a four-star, and the comment was, Jim banters and drones on too much. They did not say that. (laughs) No, actually, they didn't say Jim did, but they said there's a little too much banter and drone. You know what? I saw the same thing. So I would like to hear from the Metalworking Nation, if you can let us know, if, if you think that we just ramble on a little bit too much in the beginning and we need to just get to the heart of the interview or the episode content that much quicker, please let us know. I didn't think we did. I think I thought we brought some humor and some entertainment to the beginning of the episode, but maybe that's just one person's opinion and we should just ignore it. I don't know. All feedback is good feedback. I right? guess all feedback is good. So why don't we move on? And Nick, do you have any Well, let's tell them news? how they can get in touch with us oh, to okay. give us this feedback. Go why, ahead. why don't you tell them a little bit about what The Boring Bar is? The Boring Bar? What do you mean? It's our newsletter. 
Oh, <laughs> well, I can do that. Yeah, go ahead. Nick, why don't you tell us about The Boring Bar? <laughs> okay, well, The Boring Bar is the name of our newsletter. Uh, every week, the subscribers to Making Chips get an email with all the latest content, more than just the podcast. It's also the stuff we're doing on YouTube, uh, any of the articles that we've written, and links to the manufacturing news that we talk about. But so. you could just get all that stuff normally. You could search that out and find it yourself, but we actually have some unique original content that you can only get if you're a part of the boring bar, there you go right? yeah so christine our managing editor writes a really nice she's a rock piece. star man. she kind of sums up like the feeling and the theme for the whole week and you can only get that content in the boring bar newsletter you can find and it's just very info what she writes is very informational and motivating and, and she does just kind of bring it all together and she's a great part of our team and she actually does content writing for our manufacturing clients too so exactly. you can get kind of an example of how well she writes and if you need marketing writing services yourself, she can do that for you on behalf of Making Chips. You could get to know Christine a little bit. She was on an episode, geez, I don't remember the number, but it was last year. All about storytelling. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes, but all about how to tell a good story and and really the problem that you face if you can't tell a good story about what you do. And every manufacturing leader needs to be able to tell the story of their business. Absolutely. So manufacturing news, Nick. We're going to get into what has become the most newsworthy thing at my company, and that has to do with all things Boeing 737 MAX. So for those of you who aren't familiar, the 737 MAX has a software problem, and they have landed all of these planes, and they are... They have grounded them, yes. Yeah, grounded, grounded, that's probably the right word. They're not in service anymore. Not in service, and they've also halted production. So I, I... pulled together four different articles all about this issue. The first one is 737 MAX fix slips to summer, and that's just one of Boeing's problem. And that article talks about all the other areas where Boeing is diversified. They're struggling also. So everything from... Oh, I mean, the flow down is struggling. Well, they're not just building commercial aircraft at Boeing. They're building defense aircraft. Right. Like the KC-46 Pegasus tanker. Yeah. And they've had some issues with the wiring. They had to redesign all the wiring. They had technical and supply chain problems. Is this because they're doing a lot more like global sourcing instead of making the stuff exclusively in the United States? You know, it didn't get into the details of the supply chain problems in the article, but they're way behind schedule and their costs are outrageous right now for for that segment of their business. It also talked about the Starliner. So they're competing directly with SpaceX, which Jason was just talking about earlier with Tesla. And the SpaceX Crew Dragon spacecraft is like way ahead of schedule over the CST-100 Starliner. So every time it seems like Boeing's trying to get diversified into a different segment, they're, they're facing problems, and they kind of have all of these eggs in this 737 basket, mm-hmm. and now they've got a software well, issue. They, they, well, first of all, think about how it's affecting their brand image. Yeah. First and foremost, that in itself is huge, right? Mm-hmm. So any of their competition is going to really be elevated because people have a bad impression, a bad brand image about Boeing right now, so they're going to look at other people, right? right? Like Airbus stands to gain from a lot like of Like Airbus, definitely. So, right, and they're not an American company. They're a French company. So what are the, what are the other articles? So that, the next one talks about down um, Spirit Aerosystems, which is yep. like a very big customer to advance. They, they are laying off like 2,800 employees now because of this MAX issue. Because they supply to Boeing. Yeah, they make... How many people are they laying they off? They make about 70% of the... 737 MAX in Wichita at Spirit. 
the Spirit makes 70% of the 737 MAX in Wichita. Yeah, and there's like... Wow. Let me see what the article says here. No kidding. 12,500 workers in the the Wichita. Well, I mean, that has such huge trickle-down effect. I mean, like Boeing themselves could affect manufacturing output in the United States just single-handedly. Exactly. And especially the whole supply chain of machinists, anyone making parts for... Boeing, for Spirit, Boeing, any of their tier one, tier two suppliers, like you said, it just trickles down and we're right. feeling it. Let me get into the third article. So the, I'm trying to kind of bring it up to, this is all doom and gloom. I'm trying to bring it up to some positivity here. Their new CEO, Dave Calhoun. Always look on the bright side, Nick. Yeah, I'm trying. So what's the bright side? So their new CEO, Dave Calhoun, says they're actually going to restart production before the grounded jets get approval to get the green light to start flying again. And so that's good news for all the manufacturers who want to make aerospace parts for Boeing, Spirit, all of them. And the fourth article talks about how the Machinists Union Mm. is looking to extend that current contract that they have for another three years. And the first thing that came to mind is like, if, if you lose those machinists... They're not easy to find. They're not. Well, that's what happened in the 08 recession is there was such a large layoff of people that all of those skilled trades men and women went in other careers, real estate, construction, I don't know, owning a bakery. Or just becoming a machinist at another company. Right. Yeah, but there wasn't any jobs at any other companies. There was no No, jobs. Well, of course, a lot of other people are are laying people off too. So right, uh, it's exactly. just hard. You know, when things slow down, you have to make cuts. You know, we all have to deal with that, and you don't want to cut a category that you can't replace. And right. that's the thing you got to try to find a way to keep your machinist. So it looks like they're moving in the right direction. So here's that. my truncated version of how I believe this is going to go, and I don't know it could be anybody's guess, but this is how I feel about it. So Boeing is a huge, huge company, right? Mm -hmm. Global, multi-billion dollar company. They're going to recover from this. Oh, of course they are. They're going to have to have some great PR for the future. They're going to have to really work on that and and really prove themselves once again to the general public. Should they hire making chips to do their PR? Maybe they should. (laughs) I thought I'd love to have the past CEO on as a guest and interview him and kind of like hear his side of the story where they went wrong. But of course, that'd probably be a tough interview. But secondly, about 10 lawyers to come with them. So, so another thing too, is, you know, their, their stock is really down right now. It might be a great opportunity to buy their stock because eventually, eventually could be up to five to 10 years from now, three, five, 10 years, it's going to be back up again. They're going to be up back on top because they're smart people in that company. They have a brand that is synonymous with airlines, the largest airline maker in the, in the world. And they're going to recover. It's just they're having a bad time right now. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jim, legally, yeah. should we be making stock tips on making chips? I don't know. We if should not be. I, I don't that's f- my, so, I said before, is, is it prelude to that? Oh, I said, that's what you're going to do? my opinion. Okay, so Metalworking Nation, I am not, I don't Jim buy, is not a certified fan, financial anal- analyst, and he should not be listened to as it relates to stock tips. Yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying. Don't even listen to it. Yeah, <laughs> just, don't. yeah, erase that. No, but it makes sense, right? Buy, buy low, sell high, right? That's, I, I get is that how you do it? That's what the concept. 
concept sure they're supposed to do. Concept, yeah. That's what the concept is. Like Jason said, I'm not a financial advisor. I was just thinking now might be a good time to buy. But Can certainly. I introduce our guest now that you guys are done no. sure. with the sure. Making Chips Financial Times here? Well, <laughs> okay, so our guest is no stranger to Making Chips. He actually came on to Making Chips during IMTS of 2018 as a guest panelist when we were talking about workforce development. So Federico Chimarella. He serves as the president and CTO of MXD. He's in charge of developing and implementing the technology vision for the Institute and is looking forward to leading the outstanding team that is currently in place. When he was on Making Chips last time, he was an associate professor at Northern Illinois University, where he directed the advanced research in materials and manufacturing for more than 10 years, which generated over $2.5 million in funding and created a launch pad for many students and technology technologies in advanced manufacturing. So Federico received his BD, MS, and PhD, so it's Dr. Federico, in metallurgy and materials science engineering from the Illinois Institute of Technology. As a native Chicagoan, he's very excited to be in the role to help shape the future of manufacturing. Federico? Welcome to Making Chips again. Yeah, thanks for having me back again. Yeah, it is great to have you on the show. The one thing that I didn't realize is that you're actually home now because you were commuting all the way to Northern Illinois University, and now you're a Chicago native, just like I am, and so this is a short commute for you, so it's great to have you here at MXD. Yeah, no, very excited, and certainly I now have to find a new new time to listen to my podcast of Making Chips because I, I ran out when of my the travel gym. space. There you go, at yeah. the gym, okay. Yeah, you do look fitter than Thank last you. time we saw you. So Thank yeah, you. you must be hit the gym a little bit more. <laughs> Thanks. So the first time I met Federico was actually in Rockford. You were the keynote speaker at the Rockford Chamber of Commerce Manufacturing Expo. At the time, you were the mechanical engineering chair at NIU. Did That's I get right. that right? Yes. Do you remember what you talked about that night? I do. Yeah, it was, uh, I think the title was called Engineering Manufacturing's Future. Wow. And so the message was really about telling manufacturers that it isn't something that's scary, that it's something very tangible, and that as a professor myself, I had been trying to help students understand what that meant and really just showing the the great things we were doing with our students there. So Yeah, I think you had some, I remember something about like a rocket car or something or a car that went really far with a little bit of fuel. I don't remember the project oh, the exactly. Hot, yeah, the super mileage team there at Northern had done a great job. And so, yeah, talking about that and all the work they had done putting that together. And as I understand, they've, they've been top three in the world for the last five years or so. So wow. they, they were doing so, some really So was your stuff. role as a professor, were you there from an inspirational standpoint, was your role there to keep the engineering students in manufacturing or were you trying to attract students into the the manufacturing role as you were talking about engineering the manufacturing sure. future? I would say a little bit of both. We had a lot of very talented students that really understood the importance of manufacturing because where they were on the farm and they were fixing their own equipment. Or they had those where, mechanical yeah, abilities. They yeah, they just had those abilities. And then you had some students that maybe didn't know what they were doing in engineering. And so manufacturing was a easy way to show them because they could build something, fix something, do yeah, something. Yeah, you, you motivated them to yeah. say, hey, you can get involved in building a 737 or right. fixing a 737 or a race car or just what, whatever else that it might be. Yeah, exactly. And it was a great way for them to understand how engineering fit into that through manufacturing. And so you would see their eyes light up or, or they'd come back years later and say, hey, thanks to you and, and that project you helped let me work on and build uh, really gave me a direction. And that's always a, a great feeling. 
Yeah. So Frederico, 10 years NIU, that's, that's, that's quite an accomplishment. It's pretty profound. Can you tell us, what was your biggest accomplishment in those 10 years you were there with those students, those, those eager young students that were trying to find their path in their careers? Yeah, I, I would say looking back at, I think, just creating a platform for the students to, to really succeed. So our, our ARM lab, where we got funding from NIST and actually MXD and, and a few other organizations that gave students that otherwise wouldn't have an opportunity to work in manufacturing and understand what manufacturing was, to then see them go out and work in industry, and most of them are working for uh, large manufacturers or equipment manufacturers as a result of that. Cool. So when you look back, and you know maybe you're here at MXD for 10 years, and you look back at your NIU days, what do you think the, that legacy you've left there? Is Federico still there? What of you is still left behind and that legacy is still continuing on? That's a good question. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, I would hope that at least some of, of the lab or at least some of the ideas that, that I was working with my fellow colleagues, professors, that sure. I left a lot of projects that were on the table that I thought were still valuable for, for my colleagues and for the students to follow on with. So hopefully some of that is still there. Something to think about. But if not, you know, that's okay too. At least I had my time and my space to, to do what I could. So now you are the president and CTO of MXD. And can you explain to Jim what a CTO is? Because he was asking. I did ask the other day. (laughs) Well, you know, here we go. If you've listened to the show for the past 215 episodes, you know, I can't stand all these acronyms in the business world. And then when when Nick was telling me that Federico is now the CTO, I'm like, oh, God. Here we go. CTO, chief. I don't know. <laughs> technology <laughs> officer, yeah. And so there's a I lot just, of technology in manufacturing. There sure is. There right. sure is. Right. I would say that as CTO, the, the main goal here is to really look at our portfolio as a whole in terms of what we do as an institute through our projects, through our member engagement, and, and what is the value that we can then provide back to our membership. So kind of curating that, understanding what it is, developing it, maturing it, expanding it, and then, as I said, really giving it back to that ecosystem that that Jim had talked about. Here at MXD, you guys are on the cutting edge of manufacturing. You're trying to solve problems. You're trying to see the direction that manufacturing is going to be in the future. There's a lot of things out there where the manufacturing leaders are like, I'm just concerned with solving the problems that I have right now. Like I can't think about data and a lot of these other advanced technologies. What what would you give as advice for the manufacturing leaders out there if they want to adopt some of these technologies that you have here at MXD? What's like some of the first steps that they should take in utilizing that in their business in a very practical manner? Yeah, absolutely. And I would say, just to, to clarify, I think we like to say that we try to tackle problems that are too big for any one company or, or institute to solve. Okay, that's so a good way to look at That's what the mission it. of MXD exactly, is? Exactly, exactly. So say that one more time. We generally tackle problems that are too large for any one company to solve. So we're trying to bring in multiple academics, small businesses, right? Large businesses, everyone into the table that everyone's going to benefit ultimately from. So really, it's kind of peeling back. And and I think some of the things that we talk about is oftentimes, and, and maybe you have had this experience, you're having general discussions of arguments of what's going wrong, right? Or, or opinions, let's say. But if I can now back that out and actually have data from my machine or from my worker, you kind of reduce all those arguments down to just facts, 
right? And so we try. Metrics don't lie. Exactly. Metrics never lie. And so what we try to tell the people that come to visit is let's help you find a way to get those metrics. And they could be very simple ways. They don't have to be complex so that we could then equip you to help yourself make those decisions based on the metrics rather than just guessing, not necessarily guessing, but experience. Do you, uh, do you have yeah. a practical example <laughs> of, of, of how you guys have solved the problem and like what the process is that you go through in order to get there? Absolutely. So just even on a simple level, if you'll see on our shop floor, oftentimes we get a company and say, oh, well, you know, we're all analog. There's no way I can get into this digital space. Right, So literally with a gauge, pressure gauge that we show that's running on one of our CNC machines that obviously we need to control that pressure, we have a, just a digital camera pointed at it and we built an app and the app shows the gauge with a digital readout. Right, And what is it monitoring? It's monitoring the pressure on our CNC machine. So The, the pressure on the spindle? Right. Oh, okay. So if it goes into a heavy cut, the pressure on the spindle is going to react to that. Right. Okay. So that's just one way of measuring or extracting data from the machine to measure what's happening. Correct. So you're getting all that analytics on the spindle, the pull from the spindle. Correct. Okay. And so And so the idea is that, again, if you have this information, you can now make better decisions in terms of what you need to do with that machine or if you have a problem and things of that nature. So from a practical standpoint, you guys created this app. Yeah, well, our membership did. So we had a project call So who gets to utilize that app then? Basically, anyone that is involved with MXD. So if you have a membership to MXD or you're like a first, second, or third tier member, you have access to it. Absolutely. You have access to the other information that's here. Yeah, and, and again, we're not trying to provide specific solutions or say, this is the way you need to do it. Like obviously people that are in manufacturing know their shop. They know what to do. We're not, we're just giving you ideas to inspire you to understand how you could use these kinds of technologies to make your shop floor work more efficiently. So a lot of people, you know, kind of joke around. My sister always kind of joked that she has the street smarts and I have the book smarts. And I would say that there's a lot of manufacturing leaders out there that are just to make an analogy, are street smart, they're shop smart. They they know what it takes in order to get the job done and they have been living and breathing that for for years. So are you guys kind of bridging the gap between being book smart and the street smart for the manufacturing leaders out there that are running a shop? Is that a good analogy to make? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, again, we're here to... Because like most people aren't going to like have a problem. They're going to go to their university and be like, hey, professor, can you help me solve this? You know right. what I mean? They're just not going to do it. But maybe they can come to you guys and, and say, hey, help me solve this. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we have a small team here, four engineers or so, a couple electrical, mechanical, and, and they're just out there doing things. And so our argument is if these guys can do it, anyone can, because we show our simple solutions. We're not, again, we're not trying to sell specific technology. It's just the idea and to inspire them to then say, hey, okay, then I, I can actually do this. So like, do I, so if I join, do I get like Joe, the mechanical engineer's number and I can like call him up and be like, hey, Joe, like I'm having a problem here. Can you help me solve it? Is that the way it works? Certainly if you want to, but really what we what we encourage is, again, coming to visit. We can also go out and visit. We've done that to talk to people and really try to understand what their pain points are. And I think we've captured a lot of that. And so we're trying to then demonstrate things on our floor to show how we might come up with an idea to solve that. It doesn't have to be the right way. It's just a way, again, to try to inspire people to think about manufacturing and digital technology in the same way Mm -hmm. so that they can become more effective in their solutions that they need to help them 
be better. So it looks like you're, you're just looking for people to come and say, hey, I have this challenge and I don't know how to solve it. And then all of the membership puts their minds together and it may become a project where you do something like develop an app or something like that. We can, yeah. So we do have many ways to engage memberships. We have workshops. So we'll host uh, themes like last year we had a workshop on 5G and understanding what that had to do with the manufacturing community. Yeah, that's, and a, I, that's a good one, actually. Yeah, and if I, we, we talked about that a little bit and we're still a little confused. Yeah. Or Jim's confused. And I, I wasn't say. I wasn't here, but if I understand, actually... The biggest outcome was that, hey, it's not there yet. We're not ready, right? There, so it wasn't the infrastructure's like, not there. And that was good, yeah. right? So at least people know, okay, I have some time. Yeah, this to, is where to, we're going. We're not there yet. Right, right. Yeah. So that's one way through workshops. The other way, as you mentioned, Nick, is through projects. So we do sponsor projects through the funding that we get from the government. We generally work through our membership to kind of trickle down what those projects are. And this is actually the first year we'll be launching our strategic investment plan. We'll have a three-year for Jim, it's called a SIP, Strategic Investment Plan. Um, <laughs> Thank that, you, Butterbee. Right. That we will launch, I think, in February or around there to to show what, what are we going to invest over the next three years, kind of general ideas and topics. So, Oh, what the, is MXD going to invest in correct. over the next three years? Ba- that's, yeah, good. that's good that you're on the, on, the, on the front end of that because correct. it's important. Yeah, in, in so, the, so members know where we're at. Right. Again, they've had input. And that may change, right? Well, we, we have quarterly meetings with our technical advisory committee. Sure. And so we try to then adjust as needed. But they're, they're general, general enough where we know that we're going to have a significant impact to play. So then a member, kind of to your point, Nick, is saying, hey, oh, I, I really believe in that this can be a solution for us. So how do I get involved? So we have a RFP request for proposal out where companies can submit ideas for that particular project. And then we kind of down select and decide what is the best team to make that problem, that solution. So once we have that and the project gets going, again, we involve our membership and engage them to kind of understand what the project's doing, what are the learning lessons learned. We have outcomes from that that then can then go back to the membership. And then the third way is through our shop floor, the future factory, if you will, kind of, again, to your point, where people come and see the ideas in practice. So, again, it's one thing to to show PowerPoints or to talk about something. It's another thing to actually come onto the floor to see it, how it works, and to show that it's not as complex as needed. And for a person like me, an old-school shop floor guy, that's the best way to engage me is by putting me on that shop floor, seeing that machine, putting the metal in my hand, making it very relatable to what you're trying to accomplish, what the goal is and how you're going to get there. Exactly. You know, just make it really break it down. So I totally understand that. One thing that I was thinking, so what advantage would would a small local Chicagoland machine shop have by becoming a member in MXD? What would be, and just help me out because I'm sure that everyone that's listening to this show that's a, you know, a small shop, especially in Chicagoland, would think, well, maybe, there, maybe there's a solution there yeah. that I don't know of. Right. So can you kind of like allude to that a little bit? Absolutely. And, and we do have uh, several hundred, what we call tier three, so small businesses. And there's a classification that I believe the membership, it's $500, which can be significant for some, but generally it's not. It's a year? Uh, yeah, yeah, for yeah, a year. That's, that's not bad. But really, it's kind of understanding what our ecosystem is. So introducing them to that, who you know are tier two, tier one suppliers like Boeing and, and Dow and, and the ones that we've talked about. Because we generally try to incorporate those 
tier threes to be involved in those projects. So you commingle your tier exactly your exactly together. We, okay, we try to get them to to commingle on those aspects. I think the workshops, the events that we have to educate them are are very valuable. I think we're trying to understand better because we know how difficult it is for a small business to literally, right? The the people that are on the floor are doing that. They, they can't really take time out to right. come. Right. Right. So how do we get to them better? So obviously this is one way through the podcast. So thank sure. you again for having yeah. us. But I think the other thing is how do we get to them? How do we provide more services, say, on our, our membership portal where we could categorize, say, say we because we, we get that a lot. Uh, a Boeing might say, you know, we're really looking for someone that has some expertise in this area. And so we know that because we're, we're integrated. But if we had that on our website, and I, we're working towards that, where we can have categories of where these companies have an expertise. And so it's easy for them to get into that ecosystem. So we're looking at other ways to expand that value. So so certainly I would say are, if there are other things, we're happy to hear Sure. What, what else could we do for a small business that would bring value. Well, one so, thing that really piqued my interest was this supply chain stuff. You, you've got your five focus areas, and one of them is having an agile supply chain. And so we just talked about like all the, the problems with Boeing and then how that trickles down in, in their entire supply chain. We have to collaborate a lot with our supply chain, receive components from our suppliers, assemble them, and, and manufacture our own stuff, and then work with the end user. And all, every time there's a handoff, it can get more and more difficult. Yes. So give me, like, if you can, maybe one practical way that someone can have like a more seamless, more collaborative relationship with their entire supply chain. Yeah, so I would say there were a couple projects that we just wrapped up this past year, and and I know you said simple, so I'll try to keep it simple. But basically, what it did was it took information, say from like Noah, like weather patterns and other like social media, Twitter, and kind of keeping track of how things were happening in a region, so that if you did have a supply chain issue, it would notify you, and then you could make basically a decision on what you needed to do to alter to ensure that you got the materials you needed. And so this was actually also using blockchain through a Simba chain company that came out of ITAMCO and they were working with Dow and a few other partners. I don't remember all the partners. So this is now something that we've developed. We, I say MXD through this project that will help people with their supply chain and understanding how to mitigate if there are problems, say with weather or, or other aspects. And so because it just came out, it may be a little bit till it trickles down to other members, but I think Dow is obviously looking to do things with that. And, and so we're very excited at the opportunity that, that this kind of collaboration has been able to put together. Jim, I know that you do a lot of work for the printing industry, and recently you've gotten really hot and heavy in the aerospace industry. But what yeah. about zometry? Yeah, as a matter of fact, what we have, we're very heavily into the Department of Defense and aerospace. But man, you know, I've been using zometry to offload some of my extra work that I don't have capacity in my shop. And man, they, they're doing work for aerospace and defense, education, industrial, automotive, electronics, medical and dental, consumer products, energy and robotics, which we know very well. Yes. So if, if you'd like to try them out in any of those industries or one on your own for any three to five axis CNC machining, sheet metal applications, go to Zometry.com, X-O-M-E-T-R-Y.com and hit them up for a price. They're great people. 
So I, I, get, I get the reason small manufacturers like say Jim and, and Nick's company, it makes sense for them to become, you know, like a, is it a tier three member? Yes. So like a company like mine, you know, we have kind of similar mission that you guys do. We, we want to try to help manufacturers be more productive as a, as a tooling distributor. And, you know, we also consult them on their manufacturing processes. Is there a reason for companies such as ourselves or people that are maybe more ancillary to manufacturing to get involved as a member of MXD? And can we work with you guys on our client's behalf? I mean, how, how would that work for us to be involved with, with you? You know, obviously I would say yes. I think it would be a great way, as we talked about, the ecosystem is very diverse and we want to ensure that everyone has a role to play in that and understanding what that space means. I think oftentimes when we're looking for solutions, they don't necessarily come from the people we would think they need right, to come yeah. from. So, I mean, just in terms of engaging in a workshop and project calls, more recently with the new project calls that we have out, we're, we're keeping them broad and allowing anyone to bid because, again, we just don't know where the right answer can come from. So, okay. so I would say, yeah, that would be a great opportunity. Okay. Remember okay. that guy who called in and he needed some help with some like really, really micro machining mm-hmm. and you and I got in a call with right. him. That might be something where like Zanger, on behalf of one of his customers, reaches to the MXD network. And sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I yeah. think the more we can do that, the better, because again, outside of just tackling these problems, I think we do want to create this notion of, oh, hey, I, I have a place I can work with MXD and their ecosystem to kind of filter out ideas or, or, or things that need to get done. Yeah. yeah. So Frederico, you're promoting, you mentioned it already, a future factory. What does the machine shop or the manufacturing company look like in the future. If you could transition out three to five years from now, what type of integrations and technology do you think are going to be leading the way for what the future factory looks like? Yeah, I think certainly many of these things will have to do with, say, sensors. So how sensors are placed on your machines Mm -hmm. or in your production line to kind of keep track of things, right? To understand inventory, to understand material handling, those kinds of things. Certainly, there's been a lot of discussion about the, the cobots and how we work with those in a, in a real sense, not just pre-programmed, but that could actually interact with the human. And so we're, we're looking at some of that. And then I would say that we talked, I think, about this earlier, the AR augmented and virtual reality. I think you're going to see a lot more of that as well because this is a space where you can, as your workforce is retiring or or, or moving out, you can capture that data and information from those workers and kind of retain that knowledge and be able to help to train and equip your, your future workforce with that. How do we retain that knowledge and what, what, what is the vehicle that's going to hold it? Right. As I understand, with the HoloLens, you can record and kind of voice and speak over the process. Didn't know anything about this at all. That's why I'm asking. No, no. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And so that you can record, like literally we have an example on the shop floor where we have a 3D printer that, you know, obviously not everyone knows how to operate and open and close and maintain. Sure. So we had someone just kind of step through that, take the, the base out, fill up the liquid, put it back in, close it. So literally you can go through this step and then you're watching it as he's doing it. So when you put on the lens, now you look at oh, the printer. Oh, it's the lens on the, over your eye. Exactly. Okay, now yes. when you put now the lens I know on, what those it's are. projecting and yes. showing you the step-by-step of what that person did so that you can actually repeat that. And sometimes you may not be able to have a hollow lens, so they, they'll use like an iPad or something where the right. iPad will hover over the yes, device. Yes, I've seen that. Like, and stuff then it'll like step that, yeah. you through like, 
like you it's not happening but it's virtually happening on the iPad it's showing you open up the panel and touch this thing and connect that and it's it's very do, I hear they're doing that for like machine maintenance absolutely so yep. you don't have to send a technician into your shop floor right. you put on one of those lenses and you walk up to the machine and some guy maybe on the other side of the country Correct. is assisting you yep. in diagnosing the issue on your machine tool. Well, that I mean, this is something that we really have to get on board with because, I mean, the expertise is dwindling right? and you can only fly people around so much. We had this conversation when we were at the Haas factory in California and it was Terry Berry mentioned that he had a customer that was just going bananas over a problem that he was having and they flew out Terry Berry and he literally solve the problem in like five minutes. But like if they use some kind of virtual reality, virtual reality which yeah. Haas is talking about doing, I mean, he could literally be sitting in his office or his cubicle and be solving five of those problems an hour instead of getting on the airplane and going over there. I mean, it's it's just, and that's it could be, I hear, the productivity like, could be mind boggling. I hear consistently when I travel, just every virtual? everywhere I go that they have a hard time getting timely service from the, whoever they bought the machine tool from. It's not even, it's not one brand. It's all Oh no, brands. it's all of them. Oh I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, so if there was a I'm way lucky, to kinda... it being in Oak Grove Village in Chicago, we we have access to those. Well, that's one of the great tool about Chicago is, but, is we're at an ep- yeah. epicenter of manufacturing. We are. And not only that, but Elk Grove Village is the largest industrial area in the country. But at the end of the day, what if you're one of those machine shops that are in a very remote in Tulsa location? Or Arizona or anywhere. You know, it could be else. anywhere. It I wouldn't mean, be a making chips episode if you didn't misuse a word, Jim. So I know you. you're right. <laughs> and spell it. Don't taunt me. Yeah, I will. <laughs> but anyway, so what I'm hearing, Federico, is automation, quite frankly. Yes. To, to put all those things that we just talked about. See, it, you hear automation. I just hear productivity. We're just, as, as a country, we're trying to be more productive with the resources well, that we already have. it could be too. No, but, no, no, but we have, we have certain resources and that those could be human resources, the expertise, and like, how do we be more productive? So how do we have that technician solve two to five problems an hour instead of a problem a day because he has to travel and go out there and everything. I mean, that's that's huge. I mean, you could do this across so many... I mean, this is not a manufacturing thing. You could do this with across many industries, HVAC. You could do this. Any, any kind of like skilled technical industry, this notion of augmented or virtual reality is just... is gonna change things. Well, I was just you know? telling Federico, like we actually have a real use case for, for the IMTS. We have these huge heavy fixtures. It costs a ton of money to ship them. We're gonna ship them virtually through an augmented reality app where we can send 10 different fixtures into this app and and display it and talk about it and have different callouts and hotspots that you can't do on a real product and it's kind of a gimmicky thing to get people into your booth but I think it's a, cool a real yeah, I like it there, a so. lot I like it a lot so Federico we we talked about Future Factory, and we talked about the supply chain. So MXD has five key focus areas. Those two, plus design, product development, and systems engineering, and then cybersecurity and manufacturing and workforce development. I want to touch on the the cybersecurity and manufacturing. I actually was at a customer's the other day, and we were, you know, I, I try to play this role of, of helping my clients in other ways besides just tooling. And we were batting back and forth the IT side of manufacturing. And I had mentioned to this owner of the company that we, Zengers, we're moving all of our systems into 
what I would say really is the cloud. It's all browser-based ERP, browser-based productivity tools, everything like that. And one of the reasons that we're doing that is because we don't want to have to deal with our own servers for a couple of reasons. We don't want to maintain that I, the big IT staff, and we also don't want to deal with hacking into our system. Like We would rather say have Oracle be responsible for our systems than Zengers be responsible for the systems. So I, I pitched that to him, and I also pitched it along with, you should consider ProShop as your, as your ERP system, because they are also a browser, cloud-based manufacturing system that has QSM and everything else, and you wouldn't have to worry about the, those things. But one of the things that he kind of threw back at me is, well, because of our certifications in government work that we do, everything has to be kind of a closed loop on-premise system. You mean I- ITAR? Well, ITAR, he has ITAR, but he also has some other advanced customers in the in the government space that, that goes even beyond that. And he can't do browser-based cybersecurity is a real thing for him. And I did mention that ProShop can do on-premise, so yes, you know, they that can. Was, it was still an option for him. But where do you see cybersecurity going in the manufacturing industry? I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm only touching on this, but it was interesting. I mean, this was a manufacturer. He has 60 employees, so small, medium-sized shop. He's doing some real high high-end work that I can't even talk about on air. But I mean, like, it, it's a real thing. Well, and and just to throw out some statistics that I've been learning since my, my short time here in MXD, 35% of all cyber attacks are happening in the manufacturing sector. Really? Wow. 35%. Wow. wow. There's because a, they're not skilled enough to know any better. They have no people. And you mentioned IT. The scary thing is there's the OT side of it. The operational, so your machines, you don't know how many times we have small businesses that come in, they have PLCs, and they say, oh, no, I'm safe, there's nothing's going to, and we say, no, we can hack your PLC, it's connected to the network, connected to your network, we can hack in. So what we've done, actually in 2018, we were designated as the National Center for Cybersecurity in Manufacturing Wow, by DOD. So we've set up a space on the floor, and I'll, I can show that to you guys later, where we just basically do that. We educate and we say, here are some very simple things of what you can do to protect yourself. Very low, low level kind of whitelisting and things like that, segmenting, and how easy it is that if you do that, you can protect yourself. And so we demonstrate physically what happens on a PLC, right? We can hack into the computer. It'll start changing the colors on the PLC or we have like oh, a man. hydraulic pump that starts going crazy because we've hacked into it. So wow. people physically can see what that means, right? I mean, that's scary. Yeah. And we're not talking like e- even for those manufacturing leaders that are doing that that high-end DOD work that have their ITAR, this can go to anybody. This can no. go to the guy that's just doing normal job shop, non-government, non Absolutely. You know, aerospace, it, it, like normal work. Nowadays, it's about being disruptive. Yeah, don't... And these could just be people that like to be disruptive, right? So... We talked about supply chain. Well, they're making money off of it too. Because well, I mean, I, I have a client who who got hacked and he had to pay, he had insurance against it, but he had to pay, or the insurance company did tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, but just being disruptive to manufacturing in the U.S. in general, right? If they have entry points, because we know in manufacturing, 98% of manufacturers fit that small to medium size, right? And now you're saying 35% of all cyber attacks, you can do the math that we have a lot of vulnerabilities. So if you start penetrating that and doing things that can be very disruptive to our economy. Mm -hmm. And so it is a scary thing and something that we've taken very seriously here at MXD and why we're 
pushing through this effort and trying to educate and just going back to that or touch a little bit, one of the things that we're going to be doing this year in 2020 is doing a cyber security roadshow. So I would just say a workshop. We, we Sounds like we, a workshop Yeah, to me. we can't necessarily expect everyone to always come here. We are a national institute. So where can we go and our partners to kind of talk about this, the reality of this, show some quick fixes. We might even have a toolkit that we'll have to, to share and deploy so that small businesses understand the importance of this because it is a very real threat. And again, it doesn't have to be about certain countries or whatever. It could just be about people trying to be disruptive in general to the economy. You know, I heard something similar to what you said about how much of the hacking happens to manufacturers. And the point, I can't remember who said it, but the point that the person was making was if you're going to try to steal like defense plans, you're not going to go hack the Department of Defense. Nope. You're going to hack the manufacturer who has prints because he's easier to hack. And then you're going to puzzle piece all that together. And next exactly. thing you know, you know how to make an airship or whatever. Exactly. So, yeah. No, exactly. So I have the last question of the day, and it's one that's pretty important. Workforce development, Federico, yes. big, big, big problem in, in manufacturing right now. What is MXD doing to combat the, the workforce development issue? Yeah, I think we've done a number of things that I want to share. And, and I would say, just to add to that, just to put it in context, everyone agrees that workforce development is an issue, right? right. But if you go around and ask who's willing to fund it, it's always like, oh, well, Someone else should fund this, right? Po always pointing fingers. And I'm not saying that there aren't efforts out there, but so just to, I put that in context because I think despite all that, we've done some amazing things here at MXD. One of which has to do kind of on the larger level with a program that's called Ignite that other manufacturing institutes are doing. Like I've heard America of it makes. before. Yep. But what we've done is a kind of augmented that. So we basically piloted this and it's currently ongoing at Waukegan High School. We have about 100 students involved where they're doing some curriculum up to 18 credits, which they can then transfer to College of Lake County no for kidding. a degree in mechatronics. On top of that, what we've now done is we have an apprenticeship that goes with that so that they can start working. In high school? In high school. They oh, can that's start cool. working. And also, we have a capstone for the project that's in cybersecurity. So we're oh, really wow. trying to wrap those things together. And it's been very successful. The people through the program have been very excited. And so we're now looking to replicate that this year through the Chicago Public Schools and City Colleges of Chicago. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah you and, come out to my, my kid's school. They already have a STEM lab or they call it, somebody calls STEM lab, somebody called the STEAM lab, but yeah. And so that's been, and so we're going to look to replicate that. The other thing I would say is the jobs taxonomy. We started with this kind of first- like, Job what, taxonomy? Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna rebrand re that. I yeah, think. But, but basically, <laughs> give it an acronym. Yeah, <laughs> give it an acronym. Yeah, give it an acronym. Before before we if even go doubt, there, give it an acronym. Are, are you familiar with the whole notion of like a capstone in academic? I am not that okay. familiar so with like, a capstone. Correct me no. if I'm yeah, defining this sure. incorrectly because I did a capstone when I when I got my master's. It's essentially when you take the skills that you used in the academic environment, you say, right. okay, now I'm going to actually do this in a real world project. scenario yep. as like my last and final project of uh, like, a, like a thesis paper or something like that almost. But it's more hands-on. Yeah, it's more hands-on. It's, it's not a project. paper. It's a project. Yeah, you're yeah. actually doing things, creating sure. something. Right. Cool. So, so this taxonomy is, it's basically defines what are the jobs of the future, what are the career paths, and, and what are the needs for that. So we've developed this first version, and now we're doing this 2.0 version for the cybersecurity. So that companies can start to understand what are the skills that I need 
how do I look for these? What are the paths? So people that are looking for careers can follow these pathways to these jobs of the future. And we know that our membership has been very excited about this taxonomy and has used literally copy and pasted for roles that they've been trying to fill knowing that we've kind of gone through this process. And so we'll have a rollout of that 2.0 again sometime in February. I'll keep you guys posted. But I think that's been very helpful because it's helping us define the workforce of the future, what it needs to be, what are the skill sets, what are the requirements, what are the pathways to those jobs. Is it still, I know we talked, we've been talking about this for seems like decades, but making chips is only five years old, but is it still the parents of those students that need to be educated? Absolutely. Okay. hundred percent. Okay. Because look, at the end of the day, you guys know uh, there are actual careers for people in manufacturing. There are. Right? And, and, and real careers that pay good money. That, that are really great cool. Opera, that are very cool. I mean, you're making parts for satellites and airplanes right. and rockets, you know, rockets right. and airplanes and, and, and military. And so certainly guns parents, and bombs. Parents are thinking, you know, like, yeah, I want my kid to go to college and I want my kid to get a degree. And, and I'm most not. Kids don't, most parents don't want their kids making guns and bombs, though, nowadays. Right. Well, you know? sure. But, but this is know, the reality of life. Yeah. But, you know, but it's a I. a sinful world out there, folks. <laughs> <laughs> guns and bombs are being made. Sorry. Right. Cars and, and other things, planes. But, but I think what's exciting is that, quite honestly, I was fortunate to have the path that I had at higher education because of my parents and the fact that they stuck with me. But had I not, I could have easily seen myself go down this path and, and do manufacturing. And that's why I think I'm so passionate about it, because I believe that it, it does have a future for anyone who wants to get involved in it. And the manufacturing community, as you guys would agree, is very welcoming, right? That they want more people. And so I think the, the opportunity is ripe to educate the parents and also other people to make them understand that there is a, a great future in this space. We just want young, fresh, bright, talent. They don't even have to know manufacturing. They just have to be passionate about the industry and have some good mechanical skills. That's yeah. all we need. We can work with everything. As long as as long as they're a good cultural fit with, yeah. the, with the company, then yeah. and they have a couple other two attributes, they're going to be fine. And, and I would say I've been hearing from large companies that are starting to relook at their model of what are they requiring in terms of do we really need a college degree in engineering again i'm not saying oh stop don't go to in so you know, engineering i i, I school, do have but. a question related to that so now that you're not in the professorial role right. and you don't have a he can't spell it i it, it take me a little bit of time i have to be honest <laughs> it, you're not representing the university so i'm i'm a big fan of this marketing company called StoryBrand, and part of what the owner of the, the company, Don Miller, is trying to do is he's created this creating this curriculum for, for business owners where he sees it as a means of replacing a university degree. Uh-huh. When at IMTS 2018, you were on a panel discussion with with Titan Gilroy. Yes. He's he kind of pushed back on not on you in particular, no, but I just know, but you know on the, the university idea. system. Sure. And he's got his own curriculum for the manufacturing industry. Now that you're out of that, where where do you see that going? Has your opinion changed a little bit? What do we really need to be doing as a country better than what we're doing now? Because to be quite honest with you. I've got young kids. I've got one that's 13, but I'm really trying to see the notion to my wife that I don't necessarily need all of my kids 
going to college. And I even go to my, my six-year-old and my three-year-old, and my, my 13-year-old isn't interested, but I go to my six-year-old and my three-year-old, and I was like, if you don't go to college, I'll buy you a CNC machine. Like, I told my kids that. And my kids are like, really? Oh, we would love that. I was like, yeah, we'll put it in the garage, and you know, we'll, we'll start a business like our, like our friend, uh, Brandon. Brandon. Kane, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, We got to check back in with him soon. Yeah. It's been a while. So where, where do you see the whole university system yeah. going now yeah. that you're outside of that seat? Yeah. And I would say for the record, even though I wasn't... E- academia i never saw myself as a true academic i f- saw myself as you, you you were less professorial than you know <laughs> well, than, than your peers you know i don't know i mean i like i said i i loved teaching i loved interacting with students but it was for me it was always about trying to provide results and things that were valuable to industry and i'm not saying you did yeah. say that when you were on the panel but like do you see that changing drastically? Well, so I, I do think, uh, this is my personal opinion, that uh, universities will have to compete with these upcoming trends. But I do think uh, universities provide a very valuable asset in terms of a, a space where students can develop themselves at many levels, not just in the... And this is what I would always say to my students when I was doing my advising. They're an engineering program. I said, but there's so many other things in the university, language, arts that you can do and experience to develop yourself as an individual. So don't view it as thinking manufacturing as just here, I need a product or an outcome. Develop yourself, enrich yourself further so that you become much larger than just this one degree. And so I think from that standpoint, university has a tremendous value because they have people, professors and staff that are truly passionate about developing those young individuals. And so I think there's value in that. But I do think that not everyone is cut out for that. Not everyone can immerse themselves in that sense or understand what that means. And so I think other programs that are popping up are very valuable. Apprenticeships we've talked about at MXD, not in the traditional sense, but to really provide value and experience for individuals that can benefit from that and understand that way. Like you said, I, I like to be and see things. So university may not always be the best space, but they're certainly changing and doing things that I think they're going to have to stay competitive to, to maintain that advantage. But I, I do see that that things will be coming that should be different. And, and I'm very excited. And I think kind of part of the reason why I came to MXD is I think there are other ways that we could do that and connecting universities to enrich and enhance experience across universities and through companies. and, and Because really them. the university is a gateway to this industry because if... It could be. It's one it gateway. It could be. It's, yeah. It yeah. could be because what if the parents influence the kid to go to a university. Right. But however, if that kid is in a university that has a manufacturing program. Yeah, now you can grab them. and Yes, yes. exactly. And guide them and bring them over. So So Nick, in the beginning of the show, talked about The Boring Bar, and it's our newsletter, and we have our managing editor, Christine Schmitz, who writes an original piece. Her husband is actually Tony Schmitz, who's also a PhD in manufacturing. Do you know know Tony? The name rings a bell. Yeah, he's pretty... Great guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. mostly like machine dynamics. Okay. That that's he's written some textbooks on okay. machine dynamics, so cool. like analyzing all the vibration through the whole system. And yeah. All that kind of oh, stuff. we could spend a whole. <laughs> I know. It's really technical. Right. Yeah. Maybe we'll <laughs> have to introduce. Really, are you we'll about to, to invite him to our party at the? <laughs> oh yeah. We're at, yeah. At the okay. Bar. So we're actually. Th- this is something I'm glad you talked about this. So Federico, I'd like to officially invite you to the boring party oh, wow. on May right. 14th. It's going to be very boring. <laughs> it's going to be very boring. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we're going to talk about boring manufacturing things and we're going to drink some drinks and we're going to open up our new offices to the metalworking nation out there. So can Great. you join us on May 14th? Can you put that on your I calendar? I will put it on my okay, calendar. Okay, it's going to be in Rockford. Okay. It's, so It's awesome. on record. Yeah, awesome. You've said it. And anybody else from the metalworking nation out there, reach out to us. It's going to be a boring bash. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs>
You'll probably Nick, be able Nick, to actually talk with Tony there because I think okay. he's going to be coming too. Nick and I will be your celebrity bartenders. That's right. Yeah. Oh, wow. See, so, me yes. and Jim both well, have uh, combined, what, five, six years of bartending experience yeah. between the two of us. So We're going to be rocking We'll have own. to try to remember. We'll yeah. have to get that cocktail app We're gonna have, so <laughs> we can remember all the Oh, I can do it. Oh, I can do it. <laughs> yeah. I still got it. You were going to have three... Three signature drinks, we which are. are all going to be manufacturing oh, yeah, right. centric. Maybe we'll have to introduce nice. one of those drinks. You got to simplify it down to three. So. Yeah, three yeah, manufacturing drinks that we're going to um, have at the party, and we're going to so. have live entertainment, and we're going to have live. Entertainment. We've already picked yep. the band; they're yep. pretty cool. I love them. Actually, they they look great. Yeah. So, so even though we're calling it a boring party, it's going to be it's not going to it's going to be anything but boring. So with that. Federico, pleasure to be back at uh, yes. MXD today yes. and pleasure to, to see you again and talk with you and hear a little bit more about what MXD is doing to help the ecosystem of manufacturing. Thank you very hey, much. Hey, Federico, can you read Jim's shirt for us? Yeah. If you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam! As always, thank you for listening to the Making Chips podcast. You need to increase the speed and feet of your business. If you're not elevating your manufacturing leadership, you're going to get left behind. The metalworking nation is committed to a new way to stay ahead of the competition. We have more content to help you make and elevate at makingchips.com. Gain access to exclusive content, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you. We'll see you next time.